on this episode of AV Week, the rise of the global AV distributor, teaching your team to speak IT and unique verticals you may not have considered. All that and more next on AV Week. The network for the AV industry. What are you listening to? This. This is AV. This. This. This is AV Nation. This is AV Nation. This is AV Week, episode 381, recorded Friday, December 14th, 2018, supporting the customer. Support for AV Nation is brought to you by Sure, because every voice matters. And by Extron, industry-leading technology backed by world-class support. And by Bodio a leading manufacturer of professional PTZ cameras, pro-AV solutions, and UCC integration systems. This is AV Week, your weekly wrap-up of audiovisual news and information. My name is Tim Albright. I am your host for the week. With us to discuss the news and information we have gathered this week, first and foremost, her name is Corey Schaefer, and she works with QSC. Welcome, ma'am. Thank you for having me. Absolutely, absolutely. Also with us, uh, southeast of me by way of Nashville, his name is Phil Cordell, and he is with M3 Technologies. Welcome, sir. Hey, Tim. Great to be here, man. Oh, thank you. Also with us is uh, Mr. Sean Robinson. He is with Harmon. Welcome, sir. Howdy. Howdy. <laughs> Sean's in Texas, so that makes complete sense. Uh, and last but not least, uh, a new gentleman here, so you three be nice to him. His name is Peter Herr, and he is from Sure. Welcome, sir. Thank you. Glad to be here. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, sure so are. Do what? Uh, sure you are. Oh, good Lord. <laughs> I actually learned something. Um, we don't get that. Uh, yeah. What was it? it uh, I went to the, the, sure, the new um, experience center there in Chicago mm -hmm. and learned that uh, you were not, not, not allowed, but it's discouraged. You, you're encouraged to use the word certain when you <laughs> are at the. Earth. That is true. That is true. Yes. Uh, all right, our, our first uh, story here comes to us from our, our friends over at AV Magazine. Midwich Group, uh, PLC, has acquired the Australia-based uh, Blonde Robot, uh, a, a value-added distributor. This is Midwich's second acquisition in the last six months. Uh, they purchased uh, Germany's new media in the summer. It's also another in a line of several mergers and acquisitions within the distributor uh, market. In July, DCC Technology, a UK company, purchased Stampede. Uh, Phil, I'm going to start with you on this and then kind of work to our manufacturers. There are several different models, and honestly, there are several different models globally. Um, all three of these, these fine manufacturers will tell you they have different models in different parts of the world. But when it comes to you, know, you in, in Nashville, and if you're trying to go outside the, the, the U.S. or you're, you're, you know, wherever you are, how are some of these, manu these distributors, like kind of mergers and acquisitions, as they're trying to get more global, how is that going to impact you in, 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 your, in your integration business? Uh, yeah, it's a great question. And, and uh, you know, I would say as an integrator, personally, I prefer the point-to-point uh, -point relationship building that, that we do with some of our manufacturers, but we've got, you know, some great distributors. And I know we purchase Sure through distribution. And, and Armin, I think we go through distribution now. And, and, uh, and, and the distributors that they've chosen to partner with in our area have been phenomenal. You know, they've been fantastic. So I think it's, 
from an integration standpoint, we understand why people make that decision. Um, you know, and in, in at least these two cases, uh, these two manufacturers in, in particular have gone out of their way to make sure that we as the integrator know that, uh, that we have a direct line to them still that, Hey, you're not stuck here at this buffer and you're not going to receive the support that maybe you're accustomed to. Um, but you know, again, the, the manufacturers that we do go direct with, you know you've got that relationship intact because it's you know that's that's the only where the only place rather that that you're going it's the only communication taking place is, is with that end in party and, and so we appreciate that uh, as well so is everything going to end up going through disties maybe you know and if it does then then we understand that we've got some disties that are beating down our door pretty hard saying hey it's one throat to choke you know for all of these different manufacturers you know you come to us one po to cut and they present a good reason why uh, integrators would consider, I think, purchasing primarily through distribution. Well, they're also, we, we mentioned Blonde Robot, a value-added distributor um, out of Australia. A number of these distributors, whether both here in the U.S. And, and outside, are also trying to do things to help the integrators are creating education. They're doing other certifications. They're doing roadshows. Almo does one. Stampede does one as well. Uh, I know there are a number in the in the U.K. that that kind of travel around the country and do these little roadshows in case you can't make it to whichever you know, uh, audiovisual trade show of your choice, whether it's ISE and Focom, CDO, whatever, they're bringing things to to the to the dealer. So they're also trying to do some some more value added. So, um, Sean, we'll we'll kick you off with with the manufacturers here. What does this do to the manufacturers' relationship with the integrators, but also kind of with the distributors as these distributors are getting bigger and they're getting more multinational. Right. You know, uh, and this is a very relevant topic. Uh, Harmon, you know, from AMAC's perspective, we, were, we used to be direct in Europe. And over this past year um, and in 2017, we moved things through distribution. And there's pros and cons with that. Actually, Midwich is one of our larger um, uh, partners over there in Europe, in the UK. So um, th it's important from a manufacturer perspective to make sure the distributor has the technical competencies to support the product. And then you also have to overlay a, uh, a support model so that you still have a direct contact in with your integrators so you can inform them appropriately, but also solid programs in place to get distributors ramped up on new products so they can effectively go out there and sell the product for you and support it effectively. The global distribution trend that we're seeing is really interesting, and there are some big benefits from a uh, managing global customer perspective. One of our biggest challenges is managing global pricing with, uh, with our large uh, multinational accounts, and having global distribution does have some benefits there. So um, it is a big trend that we're seeing across the board. And again, pros and cons, um, but uh, since a lot of our business is project-based, Distribution really helps smooth out that demand and ensure the product availability for the um, for the integrator and for our customers, which really really helps. So, Is that because they're they're able to warehouse? Uh, closer to where the integrator is or is there another reason in there that it kind of helps smooth out that they can warehouse closer to the point of, uh, of sale and then the key there is to be successful on the manufacturer side you have to have visibility of that sell through and also visibility of that inventory at those distribution sites for your own demand planning right so you do have to put some additional systems in place to do that but once you do that it works pretty well Corey, same question is, is what is this going to do to uh, manufacturers' relationships, both from a distribution as well as the integrator uh, globally, as these guys are getting more, more global? Really, to chime in with what Sean said is, for us manufacturers at QSC, we view a distributor part as a real partner. So it's really an extension of QSC and, and who we are. 
And so for the integrator being the customer or the end-to-end user being the customer, it's about making sure that they have a consistent experience. So I think the advantage of a distributor is, of course, product availability, service, support, that training, you know, et cetera. And if we really are have this true partnership, we don't really lose visibility or relationships with the integrators because a good distributor partner will pull you in and have you be having dialogue with your integration partners directly as well. And, um, you know, I don't know, as Sean said, pros and cons. And it, honestly, at QSC, there are some uh, areas where we're pulling back from distribution and putting in our own offices. And then there are some territories where we're just going full distribution. And I do want to bring up a bit of a side thing that's not uh, really QSC related, but it's kind of a, an experience that Zoom is doing. So Zoom loves to put the meeting room in a box, whether it be an executive briefing center, the uh, training room, et cetera, kind of this this is a this is your shopping list. So many distributors are taking all the products that might go into those particular rooms and doing something beyond what we manufacturers can do. They're putting multiple brands together, creating maybe one part number, literally configuring the computers and everything like that too. And then when it goes on site, it's literally unboxed it in a 45 minute install. So there's some customers that or some like services like Zoom are really pushing for that. So I know some of these integration or these distributors are working to provide that as well globally. Is that something that they're doing here in the States, but, or, or and also, you know, globally, or is that, is that yes. more regionalized? Okay. Yeah. So Stampede can offer that. Steering can offer that. I mean, so we're looking at some of these, you know, distributor partners that have been just in the U S their business has grown so much with zoom because of this, they're managing all the logistics by the room. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, uh, Good. And wanting to take that now, Zoom's wanting, pushing them to take that globally. Oh, interesting. Okay. Uh, Peter, wrap up here. Uh, kind of go over some of the, the pros and cons of, of both distribution and, and direct. You know, Phil mentioned the fact that you could sure, you know, through distribution, but mm-hmm. you guys also have reps, you know, so you have a sure employee who is a, who talks to, to Phil and supports him and, and you, but you also, you know, have a distribution that, that where he physically buys it from. So what are kind of some of the, the pros and cons, uh, both here in the States and, and outside? Right. Yeah. I think, uh, that's, that's true. In the U S we have a network of uh, manufacturers representatives that obviously represent us and other manufacturers as well. Um, that, you know, complement our line and complement what we offer. Um, I think, you know, I think that's something that provides, kind of on the ground in market support that maybe we might not be able to uh, support directly from, from the home office. Obviously it kind of puts us in a lot more spaces than we normally would be. I mean, sure has been growing like crazy. We've got 30 offices worldwide, something right now. So, I mean, certainly our footprint is getting, uh, getting out there and we're having more offices uh, open on an annual basis which is great for getting close to the customer, but we still very much rely on those distributors for those, um, you know, and long-term relationship distributors that we've had for a long, long time that represent us very well, that we would never, you know, consider really, you know, they're a pure partner of ours, much like has been said before. Um, and and um, we don't necessarily look to replace them. We look to kind of augment them and work with them to uh, provide, you know, better service, better training, uh, the whole package. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, all right, guys, our next story comes to us from System Contractors News, SCN. Uh, Samsung has unveiled another of their Onyx DirectView LED screens. I actually got to see one in, in LA back, back in April. This is one of the biggest ones to date, though, that that uh, that Samsung has has 
installed. It's at the Beijing Capital Cinema. Cinema. Previous screens were only 10 meters wide, which is still pretty ginormous. Uh, the one installed at the Capitol Theater is 14 meters wide. For those of us in the U.S. that don't do that calculation well, uh, that's 46 feet. So, you know, you know uh, metric to imperial there. Samsung partners with commercial integration firms to install both the screen and the audio system. Uh, a typical cinema sound system, it, you, obviously you have the, the speakers around you, but you also have several speakers behind, which I didn't realize because I've never installed a cinema system um, until about a year or so ago when, cinema, when Samsung started talking about this direct view LED. Obviously, it's a direct view LED, so it's a solid state screen. You can't get audio through it. It's not acoustically transparent. So Samsung partners with JBL as well as BSS Audio to make it sound as if these, there are still speakers behind it. Samsung and, and BSS are all brands and on, under the same, the same roof, uh, but they're also brands that most commercial integrators are, are familiar with and, and have access to. So Sean, I want to start with you on this. This is, a, this is kind of a, a, a unique vertical where, again, brands that the normal, average, everyday commercial integrator is familiar with, and, and most of them have access to a lot of these, these brands, there are absolutely... Um, engineering expertise and installation techniques that you have to know to get into this market, but it's a market that that it doesn't it doesn't seem a lot of uh, the traditional commercial integrators, the ones that are doing you know conference rooms and stadiums, have have gotten into. What I want to kind of go off on 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 this with this story is, are, what other kind of unique or or untapped verticals are out that are, are out there that you know integrators are just not not getting into yet. Um, so yeah, cinema is a great opportunity, and in some of the large, some of the large cinemas uh, chains that we work with, um, they do a lot of their own internal work. But then a lot of the other ones handle it through through the integration firms. And 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 as you guys have seen in a lot of the market data, um, in addition to cinema market, the sports venue market is growing pretty rapidly. They're they're both growing and adding in a lot more AV technology because of the competition against the traditional home theater now that people have access to with the great surround sound systems we have, projectors, large format displays inside our homes. It does provide some, a much more of a, a theatrical experience, but now that ups the ante for cinemas and sports venues on increasing that fan experience or that uh, that customer experience to draw people out of their homes, right? And that's why you're seeing this kind of investment being done both in cinemas and uh, sporting venues. So I, I would say any entertainment venue in addition to cinema is a, is a ripe area for growth for AV integration because audiovisual technology is being used to increase that experience to draw people out to their facilities. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Corey, same kind of question. What are, what are some other verticals that, that folks may not realize are out there that they can start tapping into? So I'm going to kind of chime in a little bit with what Sean said. Again, it's, it's it, overarching is the immersive and interaction, um, trying to create an immersive and interactive experience. So, you know, in the traditional cinema, I actually spoke to a uh, cinema chain literally this morning, and I didn't realize, but at this cinema chain, they're doing many all-hands meetings for companies at their facility. They're doing a lot of corporate national-type meetings because they're creating this amazing experience. And the other thing is with remote work, with companies having remote workers, sometimes their office space just can't hold everyone, so they need a venue to go to. So that does open up opportunities 
opportunity for all kinds of spaces. Like, I mean, you look at the growth of Top Golf, right? So Top Golf is it's it's not really about the golf. It's about this experience and being able to um, make it fun, get food. I mean, in Vegas, they have a pool at that one, right? So, um, and they've got all this AV. We're seeing it happen in retail. So uh, in the town that I live in, they actually took a Macy store that had been closed and they've now created this amazing holiday immersive experience in that store and they have now 80 little pop-up stores just for the holidays, right? So there's all kinds of things like this, but I would say the overarching elements are about immersive and interactive because we all know that all of us are on that phone, you know, the mobile device. So how do we pull that in as well? I was recently at a meeting where you could easily ask the crowd to just raise their hands or whatever, but they know everybody's on this device. So they're literally just making that a part of the meetings so that they can, they can pull, grab the information from how people are answering, you know, et cetera. So immersive and interactive. And I think, you know, so what are they there? You know, they're retail, they're the bowling alley, they're the, I mean, it's just kind of where people have gone for a certain thing, but how do we turn it into more now? Absolutely. Uh, Peter, what are some, some areas that, that, you've, that you've found, whether it's, you know, talking with integrators or talking with other manufacturers that you may not have thought of, you know, five or 10 years ago? Well, I think I, just to expand on what the, the, the sports venue thing was, was, is, was huge. That article that you've sent uh, was very interesting from a standpoint of that I mean, Corey mentioned the immersive experience. I mean, I'll, ju- I'll just say from, from my own experience of, you know, attending various Iowa Hawkeye games, the volume level in Kinnick Stadium uh, that has, you know, com- what it has come to over the past few years as I go to games, maybe it's because I'm getting older as well. No. But my God, it, it, it's it, like the amount of like over the top, you know, music, um, any, any kind of break in the action has to be followed up by, you know, something that's crazy on the screen, something that's loud to engage all the students and the crowd, 70,000 plus people that are there. And, and even interactivity factor of it of like, you know, hey, tweet your picture, and we'll put it up on the scoreboard, you know, in real time that you hashtag, you know, Iowa, fight Iowa or whatever it is. And, and you see that instantaneously. So it's like, you're getting it 360 all the way around of like, I'm, I'm at this game, I'm watching a sporting event that really, hopefully you would think would be enough, <laughs> but you know, to have all this other stuff augment uh, around you from the audio to the visual is just, it's, it's, it's a little bit overwhelming, but again, I, you know, I could be just, you know, out of my age range a little bit, but it's, it's, it's where it's headed and it's where it's going and it's really. So maybe it's not about new verticals, but it's the traditional verticals with, with newness happening. Or expanding. Right? Yeah. 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 It, could, it very well could be. I think that's, you know, I think, I mean, even to your point about like bowling alley or that Macy's that got converted, um, a new experience I had never been to before. We just, they just opened a, a place and they might have them elsewhere too. Um, a whole bar, all a uh, whole bar, like drinks and food oriented around um, darts. It's called Flight Club. I don't know if you've heard of it, but there's one that just opened in Chicago where you basically have, you know, have your company party and everyone stands around throwing darts, maybe with drinks on the other hand, which I don't know, you know, I, I, I so no, far. No, I like it. I have some coworkers. I'd love to do that. that and that's the point exactly, Corey, is this may not end well for some people. Well, yeah. <laughs> I can't comment on that. Anyway, it's been, it's, 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 it's moving in that direction. I definitely see that. Yeah. 
All right, Mr. Cordell, uh, you know, you don't have to give me all your secrets, but one or two, you know, what are some unique areas that you found yourself in? No, I've, I've actually been taking notes on everything they suggested <laughs> so we can implement that stuff. Immersive, check. Uh, no, this interactive. is right. And it must be interactive. Yeah, must create the experience. Uh, you know, it's, it's interesting as an integrator and we're a, a decently sized company that we can uh, take some risks and, and look to, you know, get into some of these new environments and probably, you know, eight, nine, 10 years ago, we might not have been in that position. And I think for some integrators, it's how do I stop doing classrooms long enough or make uh, the financial outlay to invest in R&D to figure out how do you augment reality? I don't know, but people say you should do that because everybody's doing that now. Uh, you know, there, there are a lot of opportunities for us, but it's some of these things are, are so seemingly technologically advanced that they, they feel like they're outside of our sweet spot as traditional AV integrators. Uh, but I think Avixa has done a great job at kind of hitting home that this thing's changing and uh, you need to change with us or else you're going to get left behind. And so, yeah, you know, we go to Top Golf, it's fantastic. And when we're there, we comment, just look at all the TVs, look at the, the experience that, uh, you know, this kind of seamless gaming and, and, and real life, you know, coalition come together for us. It's a beautiful thing. We have a dart bar. It's not as, uh, as cleverly named as flight club, but you know, it, it's just a dart bar. We got battle axe throwing bars these days. Oh yeah. And, yeah. Things are crazy in the streets, right? Um, so, you know, the thing that, that I realize is like, if it's not us as AV integrators moving into that space, taking those chances and, and reaping those benefits, like somebody's going to do that, you know? Uh, and so it's, you know, yeah, we got to pick our spots as to, to where we expand, but there's, it feels like there's never been more opportunities to do both what we're good at and have always been good at conference rooms, lecture halls, auditoriums, you need line arrays flown, you know, your, your signage guy might not be comfortable, you know, rigging, you know, a line array, but we are, uh, but we could get into digital signage deeper than we are and we can get into immersive experiences deeper than we are. We might be better positioned to, to pick up some of these uh, new technologically advanced methods of leisure that, that are out there now than, than those folks would be coming into our uh, playground. So it's a really cool time to be doing what we're doing. And yeah, if it's movie theaters, great. That's something that, you know, we've done a couple movie theaters. It was a really neat experience, uh, but it's not our bread and butter, you know, and maybe with, with partnerships like these with our traditional vendors, it, it could become our bread and butter. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Uh, last story here comes to us from a commercial integrator. Uh, it's an article by Adam uh, Forziati about speaking IT. Uh, commercial integrator actually polled their audience uh, about a number of subjects, including how confident their readers are or were in addressing technology decision makers with IT backgrounds. Results of the survey indicated that 47% of their audience needed to build more confidence in dealing with, its, uh, with IT decision makers. So basically half of their readers were not confident enough talking to IT uh, folks, Forziati uh, points out that talking with IT decision makers has become quite common, quote unquote. IT directors have become the key technology decision makers, but many integrators find themselves struggling to speak with them in a meaningful way. Corey, I'm going to start with you on this. Um, simple question is, how do, how do we as the integration, the, the audiovisual integration community, speak IT better, talk IT better? So some of us um, have hired IT people that help us. I mean, you know, Sean, you guys have Paul Zeely, right? 
So uh, we invested in a couple of folks from Cisco to help us speak that. We've created some documentation so that when our team gets in the, gets into the, those discussions and they realize that it's just a a language issue, they'll they'll revert to hey, I have a white paper I'd like to send you that I think is going to address most of those things. And it's just the understanding that we really are talking different languages. And so I'm female, so I have no problem in a meeting saying, I don't understand what that acronym means, or can you tell me why that's important, or um, can I have somebody else, you know, reach out to you? And, and just, under, you know, just laying it right out that I'm not an expert in that type of language, um, but that we know that they are the decision maker, and, and, but really understanding what's the value prop that matters to them, what matters to them, and be, and stop with the AV jargon. When I read, you know, when I, when I look at how we speak, I mean, yeah, we do have different languages. And so we just have to stop and remember, you know, it's like the 101, who's the audience and what matters to them? What concerns do they have and work to draw those out? And I think, you know, we can learn this if, if we, I mean, we totally can learn this. Um, but we have to, we have to, when we, when we hear an acronym or a phrase that we don't understand, be straight up and say, we don't understand it. And, you know, can you explain it? You know, what do you mean by that? And when you realize, okay, I, I mean, I think we find common ground just by being willing to um, seek to understand. Yeah, absolutely. And, and we have a rule here at AB Nation uh, that if we use an acronym, we have to define it, right? So whether that, regardless of what that acronym is, that's why I stay away from them because sometimes I, I'm like, okay, HDMI. I'm not sure what the what the is it, yeah. yeah. Um, Peter, who in 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 organizations, whether that's manufacturers or integrators, who should learn to speak IT? Is it everybody? Is it just the salespeople? Just the engineers? Who needs to learn this? I mean, this is such a crazy hot topic in our uh, world lexicon. Especially, at least at sure. I mean, my God. Uh, the IT, just the, the amount of stuff that we've put out that either, you know, needs to, you know, needs to interface with something in the IT world. I mean, obviously, well, more and more of our products are having, you know, shipping with Ethernet jacks on them. They, it just doesn't, nothing comes with XLR anymore in my, in, in my vertical. It just doesn't matter. It's not, it's, it's, it's gone. Um, and um, we have, you know, I think everyone needs to, to learn it, uh, at least to some basic level to at least get people somewhat on the same page. So obviously you're not going to be able to cover every single acronym or every single term. Um, but you know, one thing that we're trying to really push, um, and I, and I think it's something that, you know, a lot of manufacturers and integrators are, are looking for, uh, for, you know, for their customers and both this also for themselves is, is education and, and just getting everyone up to a certain level of, of knowledge um, that they can, you know, begin to communicate with each other, like even with like a, you know, it's like a decoder ring of sorts. And our Sure Audio Institute program that we just launched uh, this fall um, has a few courses dedicated to like speaking IT, you know, for the AV um, professional. Um, and it doesn't go, it's not deep dive, but it certainly removes some of those basic issues of you can't go in and talk to an IT decision maker and just start talking to them about, you know, DBs and you know other audio terms when they're just going to be like, yeah, that's great, but does it work with what I've got? You know, and that, that's that's what you need to kind of break it down to and really understand that they're talking. You know, they're in the 
in the business of, you know, talking about uptime and making sure that there's, you know, mean time between failures of, of, you know, minimal amounts and things are just, you know, online all the time. So, um, you know, just, just breaking down some of those barriers, I think is key with education and, and that's how we're kind of attacking it. Mm-hmm. Uh, Phil, what certifications or classes can integrators take? I mean, you, you, obviously, Peter mentioned um, Sure has has classes. I, I know, you know QSC has classes. You know, uh, Harmon has classes as well. Now, I, I, one, the one thing I would say about that these so these are AV folks, AV manufacturers trying to help the integrator. Is there something that is outside of our our realm, outside of our industry, that we should be looking at as well? Uh- Probably, uh, you know, we've got some guys that are into to CompTIA, uh, you know, and are looking at, at certs there. Uh, on we have a structured cabling side, and so we're into Bixie, you know, and that's not so much necessarily the configuration of the switches and some of the, the things that we as uh, as AV integrators need to be able to talk about with the IT directors, but it's certainly a, a deeper understanding of of the network as a whole. Um, Inside our industry, yeah, you're absolutely right. Avix has got a fantastic networking course. Uh, most manufacturers do, and you know, I've assembled a curriculum for our technical staff of of just places to start to. And, and it's funny because Extron offers one, uh, AMX offers, you know, in the Harmon uh, University, everybody's got something, and they all kind of hit on the same stuff. But I think it's important for guys that aren't looking at this stuff every day to kind of get that refresher every few months, even if it is basic, you know, the layer, you know, OS layers and topology and, and yada, yada, yada. It's helpful and you got to keep doing it uh, in terms, you know, do I think everybody can speak it? I don't know how, how deep you can go. I think everybody's got to have a, a basic understanding, but the same way that an AV Every technician, you know, when they see a programmer doing his thing, they think, I want to be a programmer. You know, that's what I'm going to do. We're not all cut out for that, you know, and we're not all cut out to be CCNAs, you know, and that's okay. Uh, luckily, there are lots of opportunities in our industry to, to find your sweet spot. But I do think that there's going to be a, a kind of baseline requirement that we're going to have to set, uh, you know, just so they can say, well, you know, that's a little over my head, but let me kick you up to, to the next tier and be able to identify who can answer those questions. I'm going to insert, you mentioned CompTIA, and they actually have, I think, five IT certifications. I mean, they are the IT association, and, you know, they have basic all the way to more advanced, and I think it's it's a great one for uh, all of us in our industry to work to get aligned with, because the other thing that they're offering are, and it's not IT related necessarily, but it's managed services, because many integrators and us manufacturers need to really understand that side of it as well. It's just a different business model. Yeah, absolutely. Sean, as we wrap up here, what, what, what are some of the dangers in an integrator learning IT speak, but, but not, not implementing it, right? Not, not implementing what, what they've learned. And, and yeah, they can sell to the IT decision maker, but when it comes all the way down the line to the, tech, to the technologist or, or the tech on site, it's, it's not getting translated. Yeah, Tim, I'm, I'm glad you brought this one up this week. This is a this, in my opinion, is the number one biggest issue we have in our industry. I mean, this, the AVIT convergence happened years ago. You know, we had a lot of AV product that is communicating only over Ethernet now versus serial and, and IR. But now with AV over IP and networked video, it, it's literally imperative that our industry get on board here and be able to bring in that expertise. And that's manufacturers and channel partners and integrators all the way through to the end customer. We have seen a massive shift towards in buying uh, in the buying personas shift over to the IT director as as everybody's seen. 
And if we don't, if we don't show up and be able to communicate effectively, then they're going to go elsewhere. And, and as we're seeing package solutions start to show up in the IT reseller channels, um, believe me, and, and now that everything is touching the network with InfoSec requirements, we have got to ramp up our game. And I know from a manufacturer perspective, um, you know, you either hire it in or in our case, acquire it in or, or train it, right? And so, you know, the SVSI team brought a ton of networking knowledge in. We've taken our pre-sales and post-sales in through CCNA, um, but, and, and we do a lot of training for our channel partners, but this is literally imperative because, again, digital video still makes up the vast majority of video distribution right now, but huge, huge, huge growth rates, if you guys seen, towards network video, and it's not just the basics. You gotta get in there and help those customers, uh, VLANs and, and segmentation and all that kind of stuff, which I think the quickest way for an integrator to do it, and we, what we've seen a lot of them doing, is hiring in the, the capabilities, right? Hiring in the people who are the experts um, and bring those guys in and augmenting the AV teams, right? Because you can't just train it, you have to practice it. You bring in a practitioner and you can get there that much quicker and then ramp up your other team as you get going. And then the guys who have the deep AV expertise bring their own value, right? That's the most effective way um, that, that, that I've seen it done. And it is literally imperative we, we move faster um, because it's, it's the biggest issue we have in our industry right now, in my opinion. So, so let me ask a dangerous question as we wrap up here. And this, this may, you know, blow up in my own face. So Avixa has a CTS, Certified Technology Specialist. They have a CTSD, which is the design um, certification. They have the I, which is the install, installation certification. Is it time for them to start considering an N, a networking certification for the AV industry? Networking yeah. and security. Absolutely. Networking and security, yeah. Yes. Yep, agree. There you go. There you go. Labuskus, get on that right now. Time. Dave Labuskus is the, the head of, 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 of XSO. All right, guys. Uh, thank you so much uh, for joining us. Miss um, Corey Schaefer, it's always a pleasure. Thank you, ma'am. Thanks for having me. How do people find you or QSC? So uh, QSC.com, Corey Schaefer at QSC. Um, I'm all on social, Twitter, LinkedIn, etc. All right. Very good. Mr. Cordell, thank you, sir. Yes, sir. Thanks for having me, man. Find me uh, on Twitter at the underscore AV underscore pro or uh, find us on our website, m3techgroup.com. And you've been doing some extracurricular activities as well. I have been doing cool stuff, man. You know, uh, for those of you that, that know my background in the, in the AV industry, I've been in the industry 11 years and maybe eight years ago, I started making music about it. That was kind of cool. Made some videos that, you know, got some traction in our industry, a lot of fun. Uh, just bring that funness to, to the industry uh, and kind of wanted to tell that story. And so wrote a pilot, really been working on it for the past 18 months or so, uh, opted not to use the AV industry as the, uh, as the background for it, but a different industry, uh, but finally shot that pilot. And, uh, you know, maybe by the end of January, sometime in February, it'll be wrapped up and, you know, see what happens. I'll probably just be here as a guest on your show for the rest of my life, Tim, and I'm great, and I'm great with that. If we follow you on Twitter, you're going to keep us updated on the pilot? I will, I will. I've been kind of cool. mum about it because, you know, until it's in the can and then post-production, you know, you don't want to shoot yourself in the foot there or something. I'm more of a do-it-don't-talk-about-it kind of guy. So still freaking cool, dude, seriously. Well, thanks, man. It was a, it was a very professional production, and so I'm, I'm excited. I think it's going to look good. Now, whether it is good, we'll see. TBD, you know? Absolutely. All right. Uh, also, uh, Mr. Sean Robinson, thank you, sir. How do people find you uh, or Harmon? Uh, Pro.harmon.com, or uh, I'm on LinkedIn, Sean with a U. 
Sean with a U, S H A U N. Mr. Her, thank you, sir. Uh, it was a pleasure yeah, having you. This was fun, Tim. Thanks a lot. Um, and great to meet you all virtually. Um, yeah, find me at, uh, you can, uh, my Twitter is uh, at P A Her, P A H E R R. I'm on LinkedIn too. And then sure.com is the website of choice. Very good. Uh, my name is Tom Albright. Do not follow me uh, on Twitter because at this point in the season, I am waiting, holding my breath that the Bears do not collapse in some way, shape, or form. But as of right now, they're still in first place. So that's there you go. Uh, but go by the website if you would, please. Avnation.tv. Avnation.tv. You will find this program and a host of others, including our other weekly program. This one is weekly. We have one that covers the residential side of the AV industry hosted by my buddy, Matt Scott. Also, while you're there, please check out our uh, supporters. Uh, the, these are the folks who support us financially, uh, help us bring you AV Week. And in about two months' time, uh, ISC and all that stuff, and, and Harmon and, and Sure are two of those. So we thank them for their support. Also, uh, while you're there, uh, we have, have done this for, this is our third year now. It is, it is our version of an awards. Uh, it's, AV, it's our AV Nation Awards. And it comes in two sections. And the reason for that is we want you to tell us what the best, uh, what you think the best product is. So in the month of December, there's a nomination process. Um, and then at the end of December, we will tabulate all those together, put them in a big pot, and then let you vote on them uh, because there may be something that you didn't think of that another uh, AV professional kind of put in the nomination. So check that out on the website as well. All that and more at avnation.tv, avnation.tv. Thanks so much for listening. Thank you so much for watching. That is all the time we have for AV Week. <laughs>